We're not waiting until 2030. We are today committing ourselves to protect 30% of our territory. Frankly speaking, there is no dignity to a slow and painful death. You might as well bomb our islands instead of making us suffer only to witness our slow and fateful demise. We are in a race against time and we need unanimity of purpose. We need boldness and unwavering political commitment to achieve the 1.5 degree pathway. Welcome to day two of the UN News special coverage of COP26 with me, Connor Lennon, joined by my colleague, Lara Quinones, who is Colombian. Hello, Lara. Hi, how are you? Very well. And, and you're Irish. I am, but I mentioned the Colum- <laughs> there's not much Irish stuff today, but there is a bit of a Colombian feel, which we'll come to oh, okay. in a bit. I uh, forgot my test this morning. Yeah, I got all the way here and <laughs> I realized that I hadn't done my test. We have to do a lateral flow test. This is the rapid test every day or else they won't let us in. And uh, it was all a bit embarrassing. I had to oh. go back, come and then when I got back again, it was the crush. It was that big yeah, oh, you've seen those pictures around of, mm. of people mm. trying to get in. It takes about an hour to get back into the blue did, zone. Did you know that it, it was so crowded today? Like so many, so many people attended that the cop organizers had to ask some people just to stay home. I and heard. Can you imagine do it from their computer? So it could, it could have been you. It could have been me. <laughs> I mean, thank God for that. But yeah, if you come from a long way away, or we came from a long way away, and you're not even allowed in, that would be quite annoying. Yep. Leo DiCaprio is here. He is obviously a climate activist as well as an actor. Prince William, mm-hmm. future, probably future King of England, he was here as well at the Green Zone. What was your highlight of the day? My highlight of the day your was... Your sausage roll. Oh, no. Don't talk yes. to me about that sausage roll. So, today was the second day of the World Leaders Summit, and that means that lots of people were still here today. Mm-hmm. Real crush. It did feel busier. But I spoke to Lara Lopez, who you know, of course, from um, UN Climate Change, who's organized the conference pretty much. Mm-hmm. She said there, there were apparently fewer people. It just felt like there were more because they were all bundled together in, in one space. Oh, really? Did you get caught up in any crushes today? Yes. When I came in the morning, there was a lot of people at the entrance already. And when I finally got in, there were just a lot of people everywhere. But you know what I, what I think what happened? Since there were so many like presidents still around and, and personalities, I feel like they were just getting together to follow them. So you will see like there this, were huddles, weren't there? Yes, you will see like these mobs of people just walking around, and it was because they were trying to talk to I don't know somebody important. Well, lots of important people here, and they were all giving their uh, presidential speeches, their heads of state speeches. No real official theme today, but we did figure out a theme didn't we really the announcements that got most attention concerned reforestation and you cover this today and your story is on the un news homepage. 100 countries committed to halting and reversing deforestation by 2030 to strengthen efforts to conserve the forest other terrestrial ecosystems uh, facilitate sustainable trade and development was there anything else in there that i've missed uh, yes, that is not only countries, but also a lot of businesses and private sector companies who are supporting uh, with money and also with uh, technical knowledge this this pledge to restore forests. And we had the Congo Basin pledge as part mm-hmm. of that as well. 
And yes. uh, Jeff Bezos was there, the founder of Amazon, with his Bezos Earth Fund. Uh, they're putting some money into that yeah, as well. Yeah, he pledged $2 billion on top of $1 billion that he has already uh, pledged in September. And the U.S., said that it was going to support the restoration of around 200 million hectares of forest. Yes. But your country's president, <laughs> he gave a speech which was particularly well received, didn't he? He said he's going to go further than that leader's pledge. Yeah, he said that there is no time to waste, that they ha he has to do it now. Well, let's hear what he had to say. We come here with clear commitments and we decided to sign the leader's pledge for nature so that by 2030, we will have 30% of our land being declared a protected area. But I must say this today, we're not waiting until 2030. We are today committing ourselves to protect 30% of our territory as a protected area in 2022, because we must act now. But the most important thing we have also done is that we joined the One Trillion Trees Initiative that was launched two years ago in Davos. And we committed to plant 180 million trees by August 2022. And ladies and gentlemen, we are going to fulfill that commitment and we will finish this year with 120 million trees already planted in Colombia. So thank you so much. And I hope that today, with this commitment that we have made clear, Colombia also demonstrate to the world that if a country that has only 0.6% of the world greenhouse emissions is making the commitment of protecting 30% of our land in 2022, why don't other countries do the same? Thank you so much. That was Colombian President Ivan Duque speaking earlier today. And I learned a bit about your country. I'm not an expert on Colombia, but... <laughs> He said 52% of the land is tropical forest, 35% mm -hmm. is Amazon, and 52% is high altitude systems called Paramos. I had no Paramos. idea. Tell me more about Paramos. Paramos? Uh, well, they're, as he said, high altitude ecosystems, uh, and they have very specific um, flora and uh it's just beautiful it's insane being there worth a visit yes completely worth a visit but it's quite a trek to get the, okay. those, to those places well, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it on my list aside from reforestation today's keyword was adaptation at an event this afternoon there was a big push to advance the african adaptation acceleration plan and this was actually first announced six years ago in cop 21 and this is really all about money or the lack of it to help African countries to deal with the destructive and deadly consequences of man-made climate change. Now, the problem's been driven mainly by wealthy countries, but it's Africa and Africans who are bearing the brunt. There were a lot of African heads of state in the room, including Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta, and he had this to say. Throughout Africa, as the most vulnerable continent to the impacts of climate change, countries are already experiencing loss and damage of an increasing magnitude and frequency. We are therefore deeply concerned to hear that yesterday, during the adoption of the agenda for this conference, the item on the special needs and circumstances of Africa was yet again not adopted. 
and we expect the COP president to undertake extensive and comprehensive consultations and address the special needs and circumstances of African states and indeed report back to us before the close of the session of the conference. In conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, our own Kenyan Eliud Kipchoge, the greatest marathoner of all time and our climate champion, and who will be attending this conference, has demonstrated to us that in a race against time, no human is limited. We have the means and the ability to protect our planet from climate change-related destruction and to secure peace and stability for all. What we need now is to recognize that we are in a race against time and we need unanimity of purpose. We need boldness and unwavering political commitment to achieve the 1.5 degree pathway. The event on adaptation was moderated by Patrick Fakoyan, the CEO of the Global Center on Adaptation. Now this is a body that's backed by the UN Environment Programme, the World Bank and the UNFCCC, that's the UN body which organizes COPs, and also former Secretary General Ban Ki-moon is chair of the board. Mr. Fakoyan told me that the Global Centre is the only international organisation devoted to adaptation and has a particular Africa focus because Africa is the continent that's suffering the most. Thousands of lives are being lost uh, a year and millions of people in Africa are uh, losing their livelihoods. In essence, it's an adapt or die agenda. That's what African leaders have said before Glasgow. That is their ingoing proposition in terms of what they expect coming out of Glasgow. They expect concrete commitment towards their plan. We have launched our report on Africa, State and Trends on Adaptation, in Africa report last week with President Kenyatta in Kenya. 330 billion is needed over 10 years, i.e. 33 billion a year. How much is flowing today on adaptation finance to the continent? Six billion a year. So finance for adaptation is not flowing fast enough. Um, and I appreciate that the development plan, the finance plan on 100 billion was released uh, last week. But what is needed is also to deliver on the second component of the Paris Agreement on adaptation finance, that 50% of the de development uh, plan, delivery plan, would be on adaptation. And we are far away uh, uh, from that particular number, the 50%. Yeah. I mean, Paris was six years ago now. Precisely. And what do you think are the main reasons why it's taken so long, given that you know, adaptation was mentioned in Paris, developing countries were all calling for it, and there would seem to be a, an agreement in principle anyway. So why do you think it's been so slow? I think because adaptation was seen something of far away, regionally, but also far away in terms of time when impacts would really come through. And it's been much faster than that. What we have seen last summer, I mean, in the country where I live in, the Netherlands with the floods or with um, uh, the So it is now we're all suffering, but this suffering has already been already experienced years and years and years in, in Africa. Uh, so what I hope out of this sort of um, um, realization of the global north, that adaptation is an imperative for now, for all of us, 
that it also translated into much more significant commitments to the global south, which it promised to do so. Because not only out of moral reasons, but also for economic reasons. Every dollar invested in, in agriculture, for example, on adaptation, has a 4 to $12 in return. So that it, it makes economic sense. And on the ground, I mean, we've been talking big picture, yeah. but just to bring it down to specific case studies in specific countries, just give me an example of what adaptation looks like well, in an African country, for example. So in, 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 in a African country, I was last week in, in Kenya. In fact, I was in Kisumu, in the western part of, of Kenya. What you see there is there the development of drought-tolerant crops. The rains are not coming. The, the two rainy seasons are really uh, erratic. How do you survive as a smallholder farmer when the rains are not coming, when you're dependent on rain-fed agriculture? Well, to have different uh, seedlings, for example, drought-tolerant crops. Are they more expensive? Slightly. But do they have a higher return on that investment? Yes. So you see now small businesses um, developing, for example, in, in Kenya, where these drought-tolerant seedlings are being uh, uh, produced, being offered to uh, cooperatives. So you see a, a sort of a transformation in the agriculture and food system. It's not happening, though, at the scale and speed which is required. So we see all these very sort of important uh, solutions. What is missing? Scale and speed. And that needs to be sort of supported by not only finance, but finance is critical for that. That was Patrick Fakoyan, CEO of the Global Centre on Adaptation, on pulling together the billions needed to help African countries adapt to the climate crisis. And tomorrow we'll have plenty more to say about finance, which is the theme of the day. So get your calculators ready, because frankly, maths is not my strong suit. Neither is mine. Right, OK, so we'll rely <laughs> on the experts for that then. A couple of other things to mention, methane. Now, we heard about a pledge to cut global methane levels, which is a significant deal because methane is a highly potent greenhouse gas. And so this was the global methane pledge. 90 countries involved. The US has been leading on this. That's two-thirds of the global economy that are involved, around half of the top 30 admitters. Unfortunately, though, China, India and Russia are not yet involved in that. And one more thing that stuck out for me, Lara, it was Sarangal Whips Jr., the president of Palau. Now, this is a small island developing state in the Western Pacific. And these states are called SIDS. That's Small Island Developing State for short. They're on the front line of climate change, and many of them are at real risk of being submerged. Here's what he said. We see the scorching sun is giving us intolerable heat. The warming sea is invading us. The strong winds are blowing us every which way. Our resources are disappearing before our eyes, and our future is being robbed from us. Frankly speaking, there is no dignity to a slow and painful death. You might as well bomb our islands instead of making us suffer only to witness our slow and fateful demise. Leaders of the G20, we are drowning, and our only hope is the life ring you are holding. You must act now. We must act together, as we say in our Palawan chant. It says, when traveling in one canoe, the score among the sailors will capsize the boat. The chant reminds us that we need to deliver on our commitments, and we must move in unison toward 1.5 to stay alive. We must act together. We owe this to each other, and we owe this to our children. Thank you, Eroman Musulam. 
Sarangal Whips Jr., the president of Palau, expressing his frustration in incendiary terms. This came as a new initiative for SIDS was announced today. This was the Coalition for Disaster Resilient Infrastructure, a new initiative to improve resilience in small island developing states which are highly vulnerable to climate change. And the idea is to invest now to protect roads, bridges, electoral grids and more from climate impacts which are becoming increasingly devastating. Now, I did get to go to the green zone, Lara, in the end. I almost bumped into the future King of England, who's much taller than he looks on TV, by the way. (laughs) It's usually the other way around, I know. He was doing a bit of a walkabout. I think they figured out in the end I wasn't actually invited because in the end they wouldn't let me downstairs to see what was going on. But I did get to speak to one of your compatriots, Gina Cortez. So there you go. That We are continuing our Colombian theme today. Gina is at COP representing WECF. This is Women Engage for a Common Future. It's a non-profit organisation which focuses on gender equality and climate justice. And she was telling me that life for climate activists in Colombia can be extremely dangerous. It was recognised a few weeks ago by the UN Human Rights Commissioner, the right to a safe, clean and sustainable environment. And that's what people is doing. And because of that, they are being killed, they are being murdered, because they don't want their rivers to be contaminated by glyphosate, by mercury, which is, I think, is just a basic thing that we could everyone understand. And this is something that we need to change. And this year, in the awardees, we are going to see a particular solution that is going to raise awareness on that. How did you get involved? I got involved after my studies in the Women and Gender Constituency. After my studies, I work in Colombia. I studied in Colombia. Um, unfortunately, there were not so many opportunities uh, for young people. So I migrated to Europe. I first did like some little jobs and on the way, I always wanted to yeah, fight for a better world, for a world that's, that could be possible in my country as well, for my community, for my people. And that's how I started looking for organizations that had at the core of their values, of their mission, of the visions, this human rights and community-based approach. And that's how I end up here. That was Gina Cortez, a climate and gender activist I met at the Green Zone of COP26 today. We will have much more to say on climate and gender next week on Science, Innovation and Gender Day. That's the 9th of November. And it took me an hour, Lara, to get back to the Blue Zone. Really? Why? Security told me it was like that all morning. I'm told it'll be different tomorrow, but they said, yep, all day. It's been like that. Long lines? Crazy, crazy. crazy. Around 50 minutes to an hour for people to get in. Anyway, tomorrow the world leaders are going to head home, so it maybe it'll be a little bit easier. We shall see. Most likely, because then the delegations won't be so big. There's a lot less people in the building. It's probably easier for us and probably easier to get lunch as well. It will be easier to get lunch. <laughs> Everything is difficult right now. People sitting on the floor, these poor journalists who are yes. sitting on the floor typing out. We're very, very privileged and lucky to have seats and desks and microphones. So thank you very much to the UNFCCC for helping us out with all that. (laughs) So I'm going to leave you with my sound of the day. Uh, Yesterday we had bagpipes. Yes. Which is very nice. Mm -hmm. And today this is from a soundscape called Ice Core Frozen in Time by the artist Wayne Benitti. It's fantastic. It's in the green zone. You really should go and experience it there in the flesh yourself. It's great. And it uses the sounds of ancient air bubbles popping up 
as an Antarctic ice core emerges from the insulated core. Very cool indeed, you should check it out. So until then, with the sound of ancient air bubbles, see you tomorrow.